This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of osteopetrosis from the pediatric section on orthobullets.com. Osteopetrosis is a metabolic bone disease caused by defective osteoclastic resorption of immature bone. Again, osteopetrosis is a metabolic bone disease caused by defective osteoclast resorption of immature bone. As far as the epidemiology, the prevalence of osteopetrosis is approximately 1 in 3.3 million people. As far as the demographics, there are three types of genetic inheritance, that is malignant autosomal recessive, intermediate autosomal recessive, and benign autosomal dominant, which is the most common. As far as the penetrance of osteopetrosis, it may skip generations, and there is a 75% gene penetrance. As far as the pathophysiology, Osteoclast dysfunction leads to dense bone and obliterated medullary canals. Again, osteoclast dysfunction leads to dense bone and obliterated medullary canals. And this is caused by osteoclast inability to acidify Hauschip's lacuna. This has been a tested point on previous exams, so I'll say it again. Osteoclast dysfunction leading to dense bone and obliterated medullary canals is caused by osteoclast inability to acidify Hauschip's lacuna. This condition leads to predisposition to fracture, more commonly in the lower extremity, then the upper extremity, and then the axial skeleton. The lifelong prevalence of fracture in the setting of osteopetrosis is approximately 40 to 50%. Associated conditions in the head include cranial nerve palsies from overgrowth of skull foramina, the optic nerve is the most affected, then the auditory nerve, then the trigeminal nerve, and then the facial nerve. Osteomyelitis may also be seen in the head due to a lack of marrow vascularity and impaired white blood cell function. Associated conditions in the spine include lower lumbar pain due to the increased prevalence of spondylolysis. Associated conditions in the pelvis include coxivara, which is commonly due to femoral neck fracture nonunion or repeated stress fractures. Keep in mind that there is an increased risk of degenerative joint arthritis. Associated conditions in the extremities include increased tendency for long bone fractures, which are often low energy, which are often transverse, and there is an increased risk of delayed union and malunion. Finally, another associated condition in the setting of osteopetrosis is carpal tunnel syndrome. Now, let's talk about the classification of osteopetrosis. As far as the genetic forms, there are three major types, malignant, intermediate, and benign. The malignant type has an autosomal recessive inheritance pattern. This is characterized by a proton pump or chloride channel dysfunction. The clinical presentation of malignant type osteopetrosis is pancytopenia, hepatosplenomegaly, and infection. Keep in mind that this is fatal at an early age without bone marrow transplant. Intermediate type osteopetrosis also has an autosomal recessive inheritance pattern. It is characterized by carbonic anhydrase 2 dysfunction or chloride channel dysfunction. Again, intermediate type osteopetrosis is characterized by carbonic anhydrase 2 deficiency or chloride channel dysfunction. Keep in mind that these patients usually live into adulthood. Finally, the benign type of osteopetrosis has an autosomal dominant inheritance pattern. It's secondary to a chloride channel dysfunction. The benign type of osteopetrosis is divided into two types. Type 1 does not have an increased fracture risk and type 2 is known as Aber-Schonberg disease, which is characterized by anemia, pathologic fractures, and premature osteoarthritis. Keep in mind that general health, lifespan, mental function, and physique are normal in these patients. Finally, remember that the benign type of osteoporosis is the most common form to be managed by an orthopedic surgeon.
as far as the presentation of osteopetrosis, patients with autosomal recessive forms have symptoms of frequent fractures, progressive deafness and blindness, severe anemia caused by encroachment of bone on the marrow beginning in early infancy or in utero. This manifests with bleeding risks as well as frequent infections. On physical exam, you may see macrocephaly, hepatosplenomegaly caused by compensatory extramedullary hematopoiesis, as well as dental abscesses and osteomyelitis of the mandible. Patients with the autosomal dominant form of osteopetrosis are usually asymptomatic. However, they will first learn of the disease after a fracture, usually a low-energy pathologic fracture to the lower extremity. These patients will also present with anemia or fatigue, and finally, joint pain, specifically low back pain, is common, as well as early hip osteoarthritis. On physical exam, patients will generally have normal height and appearance, as well as generalized osteosclerosis. As far as range of motion, patients usually have normal range of motion unless there's underlying osteoarthritis. And finally, with respect to the head and neck, keep in mind that there's a high risk of cranial nerve palsy. As far as imaging, recommended views on radiographs include an AP and a lateral of the bone of interest. General findings include increased cortical thickening, increased overall bone density, loss of medullary canal diameter, and there may be what is known as a bone-in-bone appearance. Additional findings include a, quote, Erlenmeyer flask, proximal humerus, and distal femur, a, quote-unquote, rugger jersey spine with very dense bone, block femoral metaphysis, as well as coxivara. As far as other studies, histology shows defective osteoclasts. Specifically, there would be a lack of a ruffled border and a clear zone, and islands of calcified cartilage within mature trabeculae. Histology may also reveal empty lacunae and plugging of the haversian canals are also seen. Laboratory studies in autosomal recessive types of osteopetrosis include increases in acid phosphatase, and these patients may have increased PTH plus or minus calcium. Laboratory studies in autosomal dominant types of osteopetrosis are usually normal. As far as treatment of osteopetrosis, medical management includes bone marrow transplant, high-dose calcitriol or 125-dihydroxyvitamin D, as well as bone marrow transplant, and interferon gamma-1-beta. A bone marrow transplant is indicated for autosomal recessive or infantile malignant forms of osteopetrosis. High-dose calcitriol or 125-dihydroxyvitamin D, as well as a bone marrow transplant, is also indicated in autosomal recessive, infantile malignant forms of osteopetrosis. Interferon gamma-1-beta is indicated in the autosomal dominant form of osteopetrosis. Treatment for cranial nerve impingement is neurosurgical decompression. As far as fracture management, this can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management is indicated for diaphyseal long bone fractures and upper extremity fractures. Techniques include prolonged casting and non-weight bearing with acceptable bone alignment, rotation, and length. As far as outcomes, healing may be delayed and fracture remodeling is limited and there is an increased risk of malunion and refracture. Operative intervention is indicated for proximal femur fractures. Techniques include plates and screws as you should avoid intramedullary devices in these patients. Make sure to employ slow and steady drilling and constant cooling and changing of the drill bit. As far as outcomes, there's an increased risk of hardware failure in these patients. Keep in mind that there are higher union rates and lower malunion rates compared to non-operative management, and there's also a decreased risk of coxivara. In the setting of degenerative joint disease in patients with osteopetrosis, total hip arthroplasty is indicated for end-stage osteoarthritis. 
with respect to the techniques. In the femur, cannulated reamer should be used under fluoroscopy. You should use short-stemmed implants, and usually uncemented components are used. As far as the acetabulum, small, sharp reamers should be used, irrigation should be used, as well as multiple screws. Total knee arthroplasty in the setting of osteopetrosis is indicated for end-stage osteoarthritis, and as far as technique, consider navigation. Some complications in osteopetrosis to keep in mind include refracture, which is caused by hard brittle bones as well as hardware failure, infection, which has an increased risk due to the reduced tissue vascularity, as well as non-union and malunion. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, Inability of osteoclasts to acidify Hauschip's lacuna will result in, and the choices are 1, Alberg-Schonberg disease, 2, rickets, 3, osteogenesis imperfecta, 4, spondyloepiphyseal dysplasia, and 5, multiple epiphyseal dysplasia. The correct answer to this question is 1, Albers-Schonberg disease. So Albers-Schonberg disease, or autosomal dominant osteopetrosis, or type 2 benign osteopetrosis is the most common form of osteopetrosis. This disease is caused by an inability of the osteoclast to acidify Hauschip's lacuna. To quickly review, defective bone resorption causes osteopetrosis, which is characterized by dense but usually fragile bones. Autosomal dominant osteopetrosis is much more common than its recessive counterparts. Among families with autosomal dominant osteopetrosis, two subtypes are generally reported based primarily on radiographic features. Type 1 features a generalized diffuse osteosclerosis affecting especially the cranial vault. Type 2 manifests radiographically with a segmentary osteosclerosis predominantly at the vertebral end plates, segmentary osteosclerosis at the iliac wings, which is known as a bone within a bone sign, and segmentary osteosclerosis at the skull base. Landa et al. reviewed the orthopedic management of the patient with osteopetrosis. They state that osteopetrosis significantly compromises the body's ability to acidify the Hauschip's lacuna and resorb bone and calcified cartilage. This is caused by genetic defects in the chloride channel 7 gene, the proton pump, and carbonic anhydrase 2. Armstrong et al. also reviewed the combined experience of 57 surgeons who treated 79 patients with osteopetrosis. Historically, most fractures in patients with osteopetrosis have been treated non-operatively. They concluded that surgical management of the skeletal problems is reasonable in certain circumstances and is especially indicated for coxivara and femoral neck fractures. To quickly review the incorrect answers, answer 2, rickets, is incorrect as rickets is a defect in mineralization of osteoid matrix caused by inadequate calcium and phosphate. Answer 3, osteogenesis imperfecta is incorrect, as osteogenesis imperfecta is a hereditary condition resulting from a decrease in the amount of normal type 1 collagen. Answer 4, spondyloepiphyseal dysplasia is incorrect, as spondyloepiphyseal dysplasia is caused by abnormal synthesis of type 2 collagen due to mutation of COL2A1 on chromosome 12. And finally, answer 5, multiple epiphyseal dysplasia is incorrect, as multiple epiphyseal dysplasia results from a defect in the cartilage oligomeric matrix protein gene and type 9 collagen. This results in type 2 collagen dysfunction because of type 9 collagen, which acts as a link protein for type 2 collagen. Moving on to the next question, which of the following most accurately describes the cause of osteopetrosis? And the choices are 1, 
decreased expression of type 1 collagen, 2. Decreased mineralization of osteoid matrix, 3. Loss of function of GS-alpha protein gene, 4. Loss of function of carbonic anhydrase 2 gene, and 5. Mutation of FGFR3. The correct answer to this question is 4. Loss of function of carbonic anhydrase 2 gene. So osteopetrosis is characterized by defective osteoclastic resorption of immature bone caused by a loss of function mutation in the carbonic anhydrase 2 gene. Carbonic anhydrase 2 is an enzyme that converts carbon dioxide and water into a hydrogen ion and bicarbonate. The protons created are then transported across the ruffled border of osteoclasts, leading to acidification and demineralization of bone matrix. There are autosomal dominant and autosomal recessive forms of osteopetrosis, with the autosomal recessive form usually being fatal in the first few years of life. Schwartz et al. present a case report of an infant with osteopetrosis and no family history. Diagnosis was made by generalized increased radiological bone density and by a bone biopsy showing persistence of calcified cartilage. Measurement of his erythrocyte carbonic anhydrase activity revealed a deficiency of carbonic anhydrase too. And moving on to the final question, what is the cellular mechanism responsible for osteopetrosis, otherwise known as Albers-Schonberg disease? And the choices are 1. Inactive osteoclast GS-alpha subunit of the G-protein coupled receptor, 2. Inactive osteoclast carbonic anhydrase, 3. Inactive osteoclast mitochondria, 4. Overactive osteoblast ruffled border, and 5. Overactive osteoblast RUNCs2. And the correct answer to this question is 2. Inactive osteoclast carbonic anhydrase. So osteopetrosis or marble bone disease is caused by a defect in the osteoclast normally responsible for bone resorption and remodeling. The cellular mechanisms responsible for osteopetrosis is related to inactive osteoclast carbonic anhydrase, the enzyme responsible for acidification and bone resorption within Hauschip's lacunae. Patients with osteopetrosis develop anemia, hearing loss, and frequent fractures because of the defective osteoclast. Armstrong et al. reviewed the literature and discussed their survey of the Pediatric Orthopedic Society of North America, looking at 57 surgeons treating 79 patients with osteopetrosis. While many patients with osteopetrosis require intervention for orthopedic manifestations of the disease, these authors' findings indicate a very high complication rate with operative management of deformity or fractures related to osteopetrosis. Patients in this study treated in traction or with casting had good clinical results with lower complication rates. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, inactive osteoclast GS-alpha subunit of the G-protein coupled receptor is incorrect as mutation of GS-alpha subunit of the G-protein coupled receptor is responsible for fibrous dysplasia. However, it occurs in more than just the osteoclast. Answer 3, inactive osteoclast mitochondria is incorrect as the mitochondria is involved in osteoclast differentiation. Answer 4, overactive osteoblast ruffled border is incorrect, as the osteoblast does not have a ruffled border, the osteoclast does. And finally, answer 5, overactive osteoblast RUNCs2 is incorrect, as RUNCs2, aka CBFA1, is involved in cladocranial dysplasia. That's all for this review about osteopetrosis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. 
Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com. And in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the Orthobullets website while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the Orthobullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.